Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's what we do here every single day. Our quote for today You can't change the past, but it provides you the wealth of knowledge you need to come into alignment with who you want to be. And that is by Dr. Yeager, uh, who is our guest today. What up, Hill Squad? Welcome back. Dr. Corey Yeager wrote this book called How Am I Doing? 40 Conversations to Have with Yourself. Uh, The forward was by Cade Cunningham of the Detroit Pistons because Dr. Yeager is a psychotherapist for the Pistons. And I have to say, I really felt ashamed of any like forward or anything I've ever written. It was a good forward. It was a really good forward. I'm like, damn, I got to put more energy into this. (laughs) Um, But he had so many great things in here. We're going to talk about the conversations you're supposed to be having with yourself and the questions like question number one, who is the most important person in your life? And he starts with, when you think about the most important person in your life, you might think of one of the people you've committed to in your life, maybe your spouse or child. You may think of a grandparent who sacrificed so much to help you get to be where you are, but you may not realize it, but you are the most important person in your life. And there's so much that goes into, or that he goes into about that and how he makes himself the most important person, for example, There are afternoons I literally sit in a chair in my living room and refuse to answer the door when people ring the doorbell. If they peer inside the house, they can see me sitting there. That's how comfortable I have become with putting myself first in this context. And so I really, really loved it. Um, But Cade had written a line. There's so many things I underlined in his forward. So that's when you know it's a good forward. I was underlining the things he said to remember. So you said, greatness means taking time to block out what everyone else wants for me and instead focus on who I want to be. And that's something that I started working on after brain surgery, where I was like, okay, I got to stop the madness of living my life by the demands of everybody else for me, right? Email being the biggest thing for me, right? It was like, I became such a type A person that would answer 
every email, everyone's request. I was like the go-to girl to come through for you with everything. Now my email for the last five years has said, it's an auto reply. And it basically says, I'm not going to answer your email. <laughs> Sorry. And it's, and it really threw people off. I said, I'm going to start taking the time to take, to do the things that I really need to focus on rather than be focusing on what everyone needs from me. Mm. And important. the really important things, obviously I'll get to and I'll handle, but here, here's a list. I mean, my auto reply Will you email me really quick? <laughs> yes. And you can even, um, oh, you know what? I can probably email myself and I'll share it with you guys because people always want to know how to do it. And I had a lot of people kind of like turn their, you know, heads a little bit with me and they're like, wait, what? Um, oh, I can't actually, I can't actually do this. You have to do it. I got it. Um, filter anything that doesn't need to be specific, but give the gist of it, Kelsey. Kim emailing you and getting my reply. It says, hi, everyone. Let me see. <laughs> hi, everyone. Thank you for reaching out. In order to streamline my life and get your answers quickly, please read the below. Please forgive me if I'm late to respond. I'm doing my best these days to stay focused on my specific projects, my health, and my family. Thanks, and have an amazing day. And then she has listed below who you can contact. For think it's varying brilliant. things. Yep. So, so in things. my situation, I had to do it like that. Because in my situation, I would be the first to answer questions that my publicist could answer or my agent could answer or Kelsey for the show could answer because I was just, I'm so fast. But then what happened was I became just a machine that was handling everybody else's demands and requests of me. And then the, the day would end and I'm like, I didn't get anything I needed to get done. done. So now I give everybody the list of, if you need my address for mailing, here it is. So don't ask me for it. It's there. Um, if you need my agent or you need, if it's a question that any of these people can answer, you better be going to them because I actually have to get some stuff done too. So it doesn't work for everyone in the same way, but I feel like that you can create boundaries. Like I shut off voicemail. <clears throat> I think when I wrote the Every Girl's Guide to Life, I think that was like, I don't know, 2008 maybe. And I said, I'm not doing voicemail anymore. It's so annoying to have to answer or listen to voice texts and voice messages when you can text me, email me, you can do all these other things. So I eliminated voicemail back then. And now I've basically eliminated email other than important communication that I have to send to people. Um, now I don't have guilt if I don't answer an email or if I can't be available for something because... If you really want me, you're going to go through the proper channels. And when you go through the proper channels, then I have a buffer in a sense to decide whether I can or can't. And it really has helped me a lot. And the people who were kind of like turned off by it originally now do it. They asked me for a copy of mine and they modified it to their own Funny. and they all do it now too. And I, I got the idea from Tim Ferriss, who mm. has authored so many you know books about time management yeah. and things like that. Um, and it's been incredible. It really frees me of the guilt because I'm basically saying I'm not going to see this email. So sometimes there are people in your life that you don't know how not to answer. And this is the answer. <laughs> it's a beautiful boundary. It's a beautiful boundary. Mm -hmm. It really has worked. But it's a kind boundary. And you can do it in different ways. Yeah. Like whatever, however you can, you can create auto responses in there for things that people ask you for a lot. If mm -hmm. you know, 
I know it's not for everybody, but um, but it really has been helpful to me. And so I I really enjoyed <clears throat> these these little nuggets that I got from Kate and of course from um, from Dr. Yeager. Um, and so who I am in one space impacts who I am in another. Such a good line. Um, so many great things. Anyway, there are a lot of really great nuggets in here, and I really can't wait to talk to Dr. Corey Yeager. So he is a licensed marriage and family therapist. We're going to be diving into his book, like I said, where he uses 40 questions to encourage us to have honest conversations with ourselves, to raise awareness of our own thoughts and our emotions. Like I said, he's a psychotherapist for the Detroit Pistons. He was most recently featured in Oprah and Prince Harry's The Me You Can't See series on Apple TV. He's facilitated courageous conversations across the country, working with organizations like OWN, the Smithsonian Institute, the Gersh Agency, and more. And uh, I'm really excited to, to maybe learn a couple new nuggets about uh, how to be a better me. What do you think, Kels? You want to be a better you? Hell yeah, I'm ready. That's what we do. That's every why day. we're here every day. <laughs> um, I really have to say, I, as I've, oh, man, I really love this show. <laughs> I just really do. I was with uh, people recently, and I was able to like help them with so many varying issues in a matter of minutes because I have all the knowledge that we get here. And so I told them, like, you got to just start listening to the show, not because of me or because I need more listeners or anything like that. Yes, of course, we always want that. I'm like, this is your accountability partner every single day to getting better and to keeping in this zone. So for you heel squatters who are out there, we love the heel squad. We're all a part of the heel squad. That's why this is such a special place, I think. And it's hard to say it because I obviously I'm leading it, but I don't mean it like that. I find it to be my accountability partner to keep wanting to do better, right? Like I went out to eat yesterday and it was really challenging to find a place to eat that had healthy options and boohoo. And I'm in Los Angeles where, you know, I know in other areas it's even harder. And I was like, you know, there was one Hill Squad member who messaged us. I don't remember if it was in Patreon or what, but I remember seeing it recently. And she said that she, you know, basically that the societal norm is built around us having fun with food and drink. And when you can't, it's very isolating and lonely. And it's really hard to try to lead that healthier life, even if it's not, you know, um, a non-negotiable, right, in terms of like your health, unless it's a health crisis, you obviously have no choice. But to try to do it without that is even harder. And then I realized, I'm like, well, we kind of are all together because I have to, you have to, she has to, and probably a lot of the people on the heel squad either have to or want to, or are starting to need to. So we're, we're building our, our little community that can kind of, you know, be that vortex for us where this is, this is more normal and not this like really far reaching hard thing. And I ended up finding a restaurant that didn't have sugar in their salad dressings, their chimichurri. I had a really delicious meal. It was really great. Um, even though the cocktail sounded amazing, it was like a passion fruit, something or other. I love passion fruit. I was like, oh, some sparkling water. Thanks. And it was great. 
told you I raved about it this morning. She did. I like the word isolating too. I do feel like that's often where we go. And like you said, if we create this community though, that we're all in it together, it's not isolating. Because we're better together. That's right. All right. We are going to take a quick break, friends. And when we come back, we'll have Dr. Corey Yeager. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiejis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Well, yeah. we love the book, and I I was raving uh, as we started about Cade's forward. It made me feel so ashamed yeah, of my forwards yeah. I've ever done because he killed it. <laughs> he killed it, didn't he? He did. Well, hey. I was I was underlining his things as if it was his book, and I was learning from him. Yeah. That is my guy, man. To be such a young kid and to have such wisdom is absolutely amazing. That's why I chose him. So did a cool. great job. Yeah, no, really yeah. was uh was great and um and you know, I think 
the line that I, I grabbed this morning was greatness means t- taking time to block out what everyone else wants for me and instead focus on who I want to be. That's Cade. And that's Cade. I don't know if that was a lesson that you taught him. Do you know? No, we talk about those things all the time because he's always talking about, you know, I want to be a great basketball player. But more importantly, I want to develop myself as a great man, a great father. And what is that greatness? What does that mean? So we talk about those things all the time. So wow. he's just kind of kind of divulging his thoughts about that. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I loved that. And it, it spawned a whole conversation about different boundaries that I started to set after brain surgery so that I could stop living by the demands and requests of other people of my time and start living mine because I would see an entire day flow by and it was just playing Pac-Man answering everybody's requests and I would never get anything done that I needed to move forward. That's right. And I think a lot of us, especially women get in that habit because we want to be the dependable, reliable one, the one that like is there for everybody, gets it all done. And we run ourselves into the ground and then we're unfulfilled because we haven't done anything for ourselves. That's right. And that's really what the book is focusing on is, hey, let's make sure that we're taking care of us. Let me make sure that I'm smiling at myself and I'm happy with where I am and where I'm headed. Um, And I don't think we do a great job of it. I think we do a great job of satisfying everybody else and other people, (laughs) but then we're left unfulfilled. And then we complain about being unfulfilled and pouring all of our energy into other other spaces and other people. Um, I think that's backwards. We've got to flip that back around. Yeah. So what inspired you to write this? Well, I think it, it almost, the book almost wrote itself. So really what those 40 conversations with self are, are things that I was asking people in therapy. So I'm doing therapy with clients and I'm asking these series of questions. And then the session's over and I would start to go away and ask myself, what would I say? How would I answer that? Um, And from that, I started to utilize that idea of, you know, this may be beneficial to others that need to almost rediscover themselves. Um, So it kind of stemmed from my therapy and found its way into my first book. So cool. I love, I love, love, love it. And I was underlining like crazy. So um, what are, Let's see. Let's go back into what I've marked here. The first question is obviously the most important question. (laughs) Who is the most important person in your life? And I was reading to everybody, you know, you may think it's, you know, your spouse or your grandmother who took care of you and did so much to sacrifice, but it's you. How do you impress upon people that they are the most important person in their life and break the barriers and fears of narcissism and selfishness and all of that. How do you get that through? Yeah, I think fundamentally, the first thing, the first way I do it is to ask that fundamental question. Um, who is the most important person in your life or who knows you best? Those, those first couple of questions are critical um, to this move that the book is asking us to, to take. Um, because what it does, that curiosity, that, that line of questioning kind of forces reflection, like, well, who does know me best? And people, so I, I know, Maria, you might have, you probably have read parts of it. But when I ask people the question, who knows you best? 
they quickly say, well, my wife or my friend or my grandmother, or those people that you named earlier. Um, but there's no way that can be true. Because to be clear, my wife knows me really well. But let's also be clear. There are many things that my wife will never, ever, ever know about me. And I'm going to make sure of that. What do you mean? She doesn't need to, she doesn't need to know certain stories about my past that I don't need. And, that, and to be clear, there's stories in her past that she's not going to share with me. Whoa. So the only person that knows all the stories of Corey is Corey. You're I'm the right. only one that knows all the stories. So everybody else has a portion of me. They have a piece and some larger than others, but no one has the full story except for the man in the mirror. So recognizing that that's not selfish. That's just truthful. So if we can begin with that cornerstone of understanding, then we can move into a, a better frame or perspective on who we are how we came to be and where we're headed. And that's what the book is asking. Be curious with yourself. Maybe for the first time, be curious with who you are and how you came to be. Um, so that's that's really kind of how that those, those first couple of questions came to be. So if I was answering that question, I would say, Kevin knows me the best. And I say it all the time. I'm like, Kevin, can you help me? What, help me figure out. Like, and so what does that mean when uh, we are punting it to someone else to tell us yeah. who we are? Well, what I would say is that probably Kevin is a person that is on your Supreme Court. So he sits on your Supreme Court that you turn to Kevin and say, I'm trying to figure this out. You know me really well. What do you think I should do? What do you think my response should be? So Kevin is a, a Supreme Court member. But he in no way knows all about you. Not everything. As I as I say that statement, you have things that run through your mind like, yep, he doesn't know that. Yeah, no, of You're course. Right? It's the first time yes. though that that's ever happened where you yeah. really, really realize, oh, he doesn't really know everything. That's right. And that's okay, though. Yeah. I think that, that we have to come to the understanding that that's okay. That's how life is set up. Um, and if that if if we understand that no one else knows all of us except us, then why wouldn't I befriend myself in a deeper way? I should be the best friend to Corey before anyone else. Because to be clear, my before I can be a good husband, before I can be a good therapist, before I can be a good father, before I can be a good piston, I have to first be a good Corey to Corey before I can do any of those other things. Because if I'm a good Corey to Corey. I show up as a better version of myself than all those other spaces because I understand myself. I know my boundaries. I know what I what my non-negotiables are because I've sat with myself and understood that. Now I can move with a deeper sense of the core of Corey and other people will get a better version of that. I think that's simply, um, and, and, and not, not to say that simple is easy because simple can be very complex and hard. But it's really simple. And the book is written, as you know, mm -hmm. in a very simple way. That's what And that I love was purposeful. Right? I did it. I, I mean, I could theorize and talk about all kinds of theory. I have a PhD from a Big Ten University. I could do that. But that's not helpful. My grandmother, who I write about in the book, used to always say, she had a 10-year-old a, a, a education, went to the sixth grade, fifth grade. And she used to always say, whatever you do in life, make sure that you put things down where the goats can get it, baby, where the goats can get it down on the ground. What good does it help for me to pontificate about mm -hmm. these theories? And people are saying, I have to look up every other word. I have to look up. I don't, I don't really know exactly what he was saying. 
Well, that doesn't help anyone. Mm -hmm. So put it in a way that people can take bite-sized approaches to better understand yourself. And that's what the book is really hoping to do. So if you don't have a relationship with yourself in that way, what are the best steps to take to develop? Yeah, I, yeah, I think one of those initial steps is spending time with self. I think we won't do that because oftentimes, Maria, we get nervous to spend time with ourselves because we know that that person in the mirror knows all the secrets. Because I can BS you, Maria. You don't know me. I could tell you stories about this or that and how good things are. But you don't know when I end this call, what's going on in my life, the struggles that I have. You don't know. So I, so what we can do in life is BS everyone. Including but ourselves. One, well, including ourselves. But the only way we can BS ourselves is to not engage with self. So the book is saying, no, don't do that. Why would I do that to myself? Engage with self. Understand. Get in the mirror of your life. I think too often we look out the, the window of our lives. And the window of your life can say be... Oh my God, look at that situation. Well, that's so bad. And maybe I should send a hundred dollars to help that group or that. And that can be okay. But the mirror of our lives is really saying, so who are you in the context of that issue? So if you were if you're worried about racial unrest in our country, did you get in the mirror and figure out who you are in the context of race? Or do you ask yourself those questions? Because that's not easy. But really it will produce a beautiful space if we can do it, if we can lean into it. So I challenge people to find ways to get into the mirror of their lives. And that's what the book is doing, is a, is a bite-sized approach to getting in the mirror of your life. Yeah, I mean, and the questions are the exercise. And is it really spending time alone? <clears throat> I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it because if you spend that time alone, you'll get to better know yourself. And then you get to move into the world playing and practicing with an, in a new way. Mm -hmm. um, so, so spending time with yourself, critically important. But then you have to move that into the world. And now you're showing up as a different person. And you'll start to recognize, man, I wouldn't have done that before. Yeah, I didn't see it that way because I hadn't done this work. Um, so I think it's a both and approach, do the individualized work, but then move that into the broader spectrum. Um, especially, I think the social networks that we're a part of, I think too often we try to change the world. We want to change the world. And that's a good, uh, that's a beautiful thing to think about, but it doesn't really work that way. How about if I change the social networks, the people that know me, that network may be small, but I, get, I have influence in that network. I don't have influence with people that I'll never meet necessarily. I may not get much influence there, but I get to influence my social network. So do the individualized work and then move that into your social network and see if you can impact that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like when you're alone, you start to butt up against the issues that need adjusting or tension. So if you travel alone and you find that you can't just be without being on your phone, then there's stuff there mm -hmm. that you have to look at. Or if you don't want to go out to eat alone or so what is it like you start to kind of see where things are rather than assuming or um and and then you can kind of start to address it so like i went to a meditation event alone recently it was the first time i traveled alone to something like that um mm -hmm. i usually would go with a buddy and it was magical because i knew in that moment i needed to do more of this and i needed to start getting comfortable with that kind of um experience and Anytime something felt weird or uncomfortable, I'm like, ah, 
noted. This is something that needs to be worked on. And I would catch it, but you, you know, you can't catch those things if your schedule's filled and if you have lots of people around and you're not putting yourself in these different kind of environments. And I think subconsciously we may set our lives up in such a way that we, we don't want to do that work. We don't want to spend time with ourselves. So if I stay busy mm-hmm. and am helping everyone else, I can almost tell the, an untruth to myself. I talk about that in the, this in the book, um, Jean-Paul Sartre. So now here I'm going to theorize. I just said I wasn't. Jean-Paul <laughs> Sartre, who was an existentialist, wrote about a concept called bad faith. And bad faith really is just saying that we tell ourselves these lies over and over. For instance, I could, I'll say, I can never leave this job. I hate it, but it pays the bill. So I can never leave this job. That's absolutely not true. And you know it fundamentally and foundationally not to be true. But if you tell yourself that story enough, you'll believe I can't leave the job. It's just not possible for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding ways to play with that untruth. And you said, note it. Like, hey, let me note that. I think I BS myself there. You can't do this or you can't do that. Maybe I could. And should I play with that more? So I think this concept of noting, mm-hmm. as you just stated, is critically important um, to our deeper understanding of self. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was something I loved that you said in the book about um, in your process of this is that you will literally sit in your living room and not answer the door with people fully ringing the doorbell and seeing you sitting in there. Yes. I mean, what a yeah. practice, um, yeah. you know, cause I know when the doorbells just keep ringing and ringing, I get so anxiety or stress. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, enough. Why does everybody want to yes. ring the doorbell today? But to get comfortable with not answering it. Ooh, that's a good yes. one. So, so let's be clear on this. When the phone rings, it is just an indication that someone would like to speak to you. That doesn't mean that I must answer the phone. Write that down. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just telling me someone on the other end wants to say something, engage with me, ask me questions, offer an opportunity. But I may not be in the space that that's what I need right now. So the phone, I'm going to let the phone ring. I'm going to decline the call because I don't need that right now. I'll get the message. I'll call them back. But I don't, that's not what I'm in need of. I'm, I'm spending time with myself. So to sit, the practice of sitting in my living room, in my sacred space, a, a chocolate leather chair that I have in my living room at home in Minneapolis. And if that, and then literally the chair is, is positioned in such a way that you can look right in my door and see me <laughs> sitting there. So the doorbell rings and I literally will look at the person and turn back and stay in my space. Uh, and usually people won't ring the doorbell twice. If they see you look at them and look away, they take the hint of, oh, well, they don't, they're not trying to talk to me right now. So is that selfish? I don't see that as selfish. I see that as me making sure that I take care of me first. I don't want to go talk to you about what you have to sell. I'm not, that's not what I'm doing today. Tomorrow, if you ring the doorbell, I may answer that because I, I can deal with that. But today I'm not doing that. So I tell my wife, so I'm, I have a place here in Detroit and Minneapolis is home. Um, so I'm away from home a lot. So I'll tell my wife when I feel myself kind of things starting to build to a point of being overwhelmed, I need a Corey day. I she love knows exactly, that too. Oh my God. She, yes. She knows exactly what that means. And she no longer takes that as a 
put an off-putting statement mm-hmm. that Corey needs his space. He's just saying he needs his space. How did she get there, though? Because I wanted, to teach, I wanted to teach my husband to do this because when I read it, I was like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. Kevin needs to do this. Um, mm. But, you know, I'm still going to be sad when, when I just he, he's like, you just think I'm a toy. You just want to play with me all the time. I'm like, <laughs> you're my best friend. Like, I want to be with yeah. you. And Carrie's my best. My wife is my best friend. So I'm close. Um, but she now understands through the process. So I didn't start off by saying, I need a Corey day, just shut it off. I started saying, damn, honey, I need some time. I am, I've got so much going on. I just need to be still, not take any calls. So I didn't just jump in and say, I want to do this and this is how we're going to move forward. Kind of set it up by explaining to her, feeling overwhelmed. I need a moment. God, I don't know where I'm going to get it. I have to figure it out. And then... I, some, somebody came to me to say, you need a Corey day, dummy. You need a day for you that just allows you to be still with you, right? That you, your, true, your, your true best friend is you. So you need to be with your best friend today. No one else. Because there's moments that I will tell everyone else, my kids included, mom and I need time to just hang. Just mom and I. Don't interrupt us. We're going out. We're going to dinner. We're going to a hotel. We're, we just need time. Don't call us. If there's something that's an emergency, here's what you need to do. Contact someone else. We need our time. But we won't do that with ourselves. Mm. So the process of explaining to my wife that need of self, time for self and reflective space, she came to understand that. So now we call it a Corey day. And if I say that to her, she registers (laughs) quickly. And not only does she know I'm going to let Corey have his face, she'll warn everyone in my circle. Hey, Corey's kind of checking out today. He needs some time. Feeling got a lot going on. The book's coming out. The season just started. He just kind of needs some time. So not only will she understand it, but she'll help me with the, with my social network. Um, and it's been beneficial. That's so cool. Uh, Kevin has his thing where he hasn't doing isn't doing it now because he's eating better. But he his thing was if you see him in bed with the bowl of cereal, he's out. Don't talk mm-hmm. to him. Don't ask him for anything. The night is over. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I would turn into bratty daughter mode where he's like, is this what our kids are going to be like? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I I was totally testing. But Maria, that's a version of what a Corey day he's, you guys are already practicing. You're already doing it. But so what I would add to that, the icing on that cake, that's a beautiful cake. The icing on that is to be intentional about it. Not just happenstance and, just happens I walk in, he's got a bowl of cereal, a mm-hmm. bowl of ice cream in the bed, and it's telling me he kind of needs it. So how can he do that in an intentional way? Yeah. That I don't even need the bowl of ice cream to trigger, hey, I just need some space here. But sweetheart. everybody has so, so much guilt. Bit. How do you get people over yeah. the guilt? Let's not be let's not get it twisted. That guilt is fully self-imposed. That is fully self-imposed. That I put if I have guilt, I took that on. I took on that guilty feeling. Um, so working to understand, I don't have to take that on. That's just, a, that's a mechanism that has been taught to us. I feel guilty that I didn't answer the door. I don't. You can feel it. If that's what you want to do, you go right ahead. I don't feel guilty about that. I don't feel guilty about a Corey day. Um, cause I'm not going to put that on myself. Let others do that work. If you choose to do that, you go right ahead, but I'm choosing something different. Um, so that choice in that guilt space is something that we have to learn Mm -hmm. because we've learned that behavior 
We have to unlearn that behavior. Um, and, it, and it's hugely helpful. Yeah. I think, you know, with spouses, um, it, it lets the air out of the balloon when someone is, a, you know, giving you the permission to have that, right? So there was yeah. a moment recently, Kevin was super overwhelmed. Like, honey, just go away. Just go mm-hmm. get a cabin, go do something and get out of here. And it just took the air out of the balloon and he felt so much better. He didn't even need to go after. Like it helped so yes. much. And I know with me sometimes he'll say, hey, you know, if I'm going somewhere, do you want to just do this drive alone? Because he knows I love driving with the top down and just breathing. And mm-hmm. is this yeah. something you want to do by yourself? And I'm like, yeah, this is, I want to do this yeah. ride alone. Or I'll say, no, you can come. Or So we kind of do yeah. it. But I think the Corey day really inspired me because – I'm now realizing how much alone time I need and how much rejuvenation Mm -hmm. I get from it. And he's always known it. I was very foreign to it. Um, But I think it's something we all need to, to really practice. So you talk about that permission giving. Someone gives you permission, right? Even when Kevin asks you, hey, do you want to just go alone? That gives you permission. Like, oh, it feels good because I got permission. I would say let's make sure that we can give ourselves that permission that I, Kevin doesn't need to ask me if I want to go alone. If I'm already saying, man, this would re- feel really good to kind of do it alone. But if Kevin wants to go, I'll let it go. But I would love to do it by myself. So how about we just take the step of saying, hey, Kevin, I'm going to ride up over here. I'm going to kind of drop the top and I just, I'm going to do it by myself today. And what, what is he going to say? Enjoy that, sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Enjoy that time. I know you, you need that. Enjoy it. So you didn't even ask for permission. You gave yourself permission. And now what you did was notify those significant people that that's what you were up to. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I think it's something we should practice. Yeah. I have a question since you are obviously of such a growth mindset, right? And so many of our mm-hmm. listeners in this Hill Squad are, are growing and, and trying so hard to grow. When your spouse isn't a hundred percent in the same wavelength as if they're behind in their growth, let's say, right. Mm -hmm. They're on the journey, but they're not caught up to you. How do you handle that dynamic? How do you, how do you advise people to handle that dynamic? Well, I think that, that we have to find the, the chutzpah, the gumption to be able to hold those conversations with people that we love and care about. That Hey, I'm getting a sense of feeling. We may, we may not be exactly in the same space. And guess what, babe? That's okay. It's okay. But I want to I want to verbalize that. This is again moving with intentionality. We don't want to be reactionary in life. And I think that's what we do a lot. We react. Right? I, I think the, the flip of reactionary is intentionality. That if we can move with intention, intention is saying, all right, I don't think that we're on the same page. Um, or we're not in the same growth space. And it doesn't feel quite right. And I'm not trying to tell you that you need to catch up with me or I need to slow down. I'm just verbalizing it because if we verbalize it, then we can do something about it. Because if we're not talking about it, I don't know that you feel like I'm not growing at the same, I thought we were on the same page. So no one said anything. Now in my head, I'm saying she's not growing with me in the same rate and it doesn't feel good, but I'm not gonna say it. Well, how am I gonna fix it? How are we gonna change that? If no one's saying anything, you're thinking one thing, I'm thinking another, no one discusses it. Now what it does is build and fester itself until it boils over to a point where it turns into a blow up situation 
Well, you have ne- you have not grown with me over the last three years, and I've been th- I've been waiting for you. You didn't say anything about that. No one talked to you. you didn't you didn't tell me that? If you'd have told me that, I could have adjusted. But now we're in a, a point where we're now contemptuous. You've now said something to me that you can never take back. My grandmother used to say, "Baby, when you squeeze that toothpaste out, you cannot put it back in. Those words are toothpaste." So, and you can imagine, you squeeze squeeze that toothpaste out and try to put it back in, it's messy. It's never going to be, the tube is never going to be the same. So once you say those things that may be contemptuous, you're not growing with me, it's now set in stone. Now it's there forever. Mm. So before we get to that point, how about we discuss it? How about we put some things on the table? I think we can benefit from that. I love that. Yeah, it inspired me when you were saying, you know, you had to explain to your wife and she finally kind of got it. It's like, you know, those are the conversations that are hard for people to even, you know, consider having. Yes, but but let's let's recognize another thing. That anytime we feel discomfort, we will lean away because we don't want discomfort for the sake of discomfort or pain. I hate it. I don't want it. Get it away from me. But if we reframe that and say, this discomfort could be an indication that I'm growing. Oh, now all of a sudden I may lean into the pain. I may lean into the discomfort because it's telling me, hey, you're growing into a new space. It's what you wanted. It's not supposed to feel great the whole way through. But what we know on the other side is beauty, that mm-hmm. the labor pains that a woman goes through is an indication that you're about to, the most beautiful thing in the world is on its way. And it hurts, it does not feel good but I know something's coming. I'll deal with this because I know in a few hours, a few minutes that I'm going to birth something that I'll love forever. So I'll deal with it. Yeah. But I, so I, I think in life, it's, it's very similar, right? That we want to lean into the pain. And the only way to really do that is to see that as an opportunity to grow for growth, that something's coming, that I'm seeking something that doesn't feel good now, but if I just stay with it and lean into it, something beautiful may be well on the way. Yeah, I've seen that pattern in my life whenever things get uh, a little like that. I I just see mm-hmm. it. I'm like, "Oh, that's my my tr- my kind of trigger to know there's another like a portal. It's a portal to the next yeah, level." Portal. I you love know? That. And so I'm still I, in that. I'm still in that. Yeah, I teach portal. Kelsey that all the time. I'm like, "Things are going to be easy. You're you know, you're going to it's like a I always look at it like a video game. So Super Mario Brothers, I go ancient, you know, level one, we, we, we finally figure out how to get through level one. We just step on the mushroom and get the extra points. We do whatever. And then it's like, oh my God, now I can do level one so easily. Well, then you get to level yeah. two and it's like, oh shit, I, I didn't know that bogey was coming. I didn't know. Oh, oh, yes. and it's so there's a lot of discomfort yes. again. And then you yes. master that and then you go to the next yes. level. So yes. when I tell Kelsey, I as she's, yeah, as she's growing, I'm like, you're going to grow and then it's going to be, whew, okay, I got this. And then all of a sudden you're not going to got it. And that's a good thing because then yeah. you're, that means you have another level to go to and you're going so, to that next level. You just got to keep playing through. So if someone told you that you're going to have to fail 49 times to, for that 50th time success is there, you would rush to fail. Yeah. You'd rush to fail. Yeah. Oh, let's get this failure out of the way. Because on the 50th <laughs> time, oh my God, something's there. I think life is the same way. Yep. Hey, let's get through this failure. I, I use a quote from Nelson Mandela. I live by this quote. And he said, 
in life, we never lose. We either win or we learn. Mm -hmm. It's very simple, very simple. But instead of looking at the, the negativity or things that don't go the way we want them as just loss, no, that's an opportunity for us to grow. I, we're, our, my Piston squad is one and three, so we started off rough. So just was talking to a number of our players last night. We lost last night. That hey, so what good does it do for us to lose these games if we don't learn, we don't get better from that loss, then we'll be doomed to continue to repeat it. Mm -hmm. Keep turning the ball over. Keep doing the same thing because we didn't learn from it. So learn from it. And that doesn't mean we won't make mistakes, but maybe we'll make different mistakes. I don't want to keep making the, the same. same mistake, right? In, in life, quite similar, I believe. Yeah. Well, my favorite quote, well, two of them, obviously the Rocky Balboa quote, it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. I live by that. But the other one is by my favorite wrestler, Mr. Bob Backlund. And he said, you never lose unless you quit. True. And it's I agree so 100%. true. You never lose unless you quit. Yeah. Now, yes. I'm not saying you can't quit anything in your life. There are things that you should, you know, you, you mm -hmm. make good decisions about and say, this isn't for me or whatever. That's fine. But you never really yeah. lose unless you quit. So when I was dreaming as a, you know, little girl of immigrant parents in Boston cleaning nightclubs, when I was dreaming of my life and my career, I would visualize a ladder and I would see myself climbing this ladder and I would see people up ahead of me and they would make poor choices and I was going to just keep making good choices and being a good person and doing the right thing and I was going to keep climbing that ladder. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's um, I knew that there was no way to fail if I pitched a good game. If I just mm -hmm. did all the right things, worked hard, was a good person, there was no way I wouldn't win in life if I did that. So let that. me ask you. So you said when you were a little girl, you would visualize the ladder. So that sounds like a past practice. Yeah. Do you still do it? Do you still do it? No. And that's a problem. Why? <laughs> I don't why know. Why would you not? Why would you stop that? Help you that that spurred you to into all kinds of success. So that I think that's the mistake we make. A hundred percent. Stop being imaginative. Mm -hmm. Why would I ever stop visualizing that ladder that helped me get to space A and B and C? And then we start to get to spaces and we say, "All right, I guess I don't need to do that anymore." But we're not done. Nope. You're not done. You're right. This is the beginning of the rest of your life today, right here, this moment that we're in. The only moment that we truly have is this current moment. What happened three minutes ago is gone forever. What's going to happen three minutes from now is yet to be seen. The only truth that we have and the only reality that we sit in is this moment. So how engaging with that ladder visualization on a continual basis yeah. is critically important. But somebody sells us a bill of goods that says, well, once you get to a certain point, you don't, why would you imagine anymore? Well, the That's stories that seep in are, well, how much more do you want? And they oh. make you feel greedy for wanting more. And those were the things yeah. that I think stopped the latter process. I think also life hits and, and you know, I was pretty Teflon, <laughs> but yeah. they even got to me. And, and I think that at some point, all of those things accumulate and you get worn down and mm -hmm. you... And then you also have the stories of like, wow, I'm, I'm being greedy for wanting more. All of that becomes this recipe for stuck. 
Yeah, but listen though, why would I, why I'm gonna listen to someone else that may be envious about where I am, that wants me to stop? Yeah, you got enough, you got enough, Corey. So, so many people told me my dream of working in the NBA or the NFL with players therapeutically was too big of a dream. Why not just get a PhD and then work as a professor? That's a great job. You'll be, you'll be great. The students will learn from you. That wasn't my dream, though. That's your, hey, that's cool for someone else. That's not what I want. I have dreams, and I'm going to keep pushing and pressing. I'm going to keep climbing that ladder, and that's not greedy. Mm -hmm. Success is not about greed. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be about greed. Success it should be about a process. I want to be better today than I was yesterday. Because mm -hmm. if I'm not, what's the point in all of this? If I'm not better, a better version of Corey today, than I was yesterday, I have missed the mark. So that means the last, I'm still moving. And until the last breath I take, I'm gonna keep moving. I say all the time, in life we must be rivers, not ponds. A pond is stagnant. Stagnant water just sits there, it can get nasty and messy. But a river is ever regenerating, ever flowing and moving and evolving. I seek to be a river. I wanna keep moving, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna stop. Now I don't know if that means uh, I didn't imagine that I would write this book and I didn't know if I'll get to the NFL and all, but I'm going to keep pushing and we'll see where it goes. If this is the limit, then so be it. But if it's not, I'm going to keep rolling. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think um, this show has been my kind of guide back to myself because I get to have these great conversations every day and the meditations I do every day are specifically envisioning my life and my dreams. So I do it every single day now. But for a very long period, um, I didn't know why I was stuck. And then I realized, oh, well, I stopped dreaming. I stopped believing that I was deserving of more. Um, mm -hmm. And I know I'm not the only one that has those feelings or conversations or has had those feelings. So um, I think what I'll take away from today is that maybe I throw back the ladder and even though I have a different version of what I do now, but the ladder is going to come back too. <laughs> That's good. And, and realizing in life that there is, I hope, I don't, I hope I never arrive. I don't want to arrive. I want to keep moving. I want to keep going. I don't want an arrival. Yeah. Okay. I've arrived because what do we do? We yeah. get complacent if we think we've arrived. Yeah. Well, I'm here. Got to the NBA. I can just, uh, that was the dream. No, I'm going to reassert myself. What's the new dream? Yep. I'm looking around like, hey, there's got to be more. So what's next? What do I want to do? I don't know what it is, but I'm going to look for it. I want. I don't want to arrive. I don't want the, the complacency and the comfort of arrival. I seek discomfort. That's I what I was going to bring conflict. it back to. I was going to bring it back to yes. the discomfort because yes. that's why if you want more, you have to get used to and comfortable with mm -hmm. being uncomfortable because yeah. that's when you know the growth is happening. That's when you know you're on your way to the next level of Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be like you. When I grow up, I want to be like you. I'm working on it. That's a full-time job, but I'm going to be like you. Like me? <laughs> that's good stuff. Yes, like you. You're so That's cute. a beautiful, right? That process is, yeah. is, is a thing of beauty. Keep Thank rolling. You. Don't stop. Yeah. Don't stop. It's so, it's so fun when you can start to see the patterns like that. Um, I think that that's really, really special because then, you know, um, like even now this morning I had a moment and I got these real strong chills and I'm starting to identify the pattern of the chills with kind of psychic moments. 
And I'm like, oh, that's a new pattern that I'm realizing. Okay, now I can grab onto that. But that only, those things only come when you give yourself some space to identify them, right? Yes. So I, I learned the discomfort led to a portal to my next level. I'm now learning certain emotions and feelings are, are indications of things that are knowing that I feel yeah. and have. Yeah. Um, but that's getting to know yourself, which is why I love this book, because you start to really um, get to know yourself through this because you're asking all the right yeah. questions. I'm a journalist. And so mm. you've got to ask the right questions to get the answer. Yeah. And right. so and, and open-ended questions, open end, mm-hmm. right? If you can open, the more open end you can, you're going to get more of a response. If you say, do you like this or that? Well, I can just say this and I'm done. So tell me what it is that you like and why. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden people have to expand and expound upon something. And I think that, that's the beauty of life, right? I think that's um, that's exciting for me. I love it. I'm going to go to the booth, Kelsey. What are your your questions? You know, I had one that this has been really hard for me, and I know you wrote this is one of the questions in the book, talking about that inner voice, kind of that inner dialogue. Uh, and I feel like that's something that you also talk about a lot about awareness in the book. That's something that I recently have become so aware about how negative my inner voice is. And I Mm. think a lot of us struggle with that and struggle with knowing how to change that. And I don't know if it is something you necessarily change, but I wanted your help and opinion on that. Yeah, it is something you can change. Um, You're you're talking about the concept of self-talk. Yeah. That as I'm talking, I don't have to wonder if Maria is talking to herself because she is. She's, well, what's the next question? Should I go to the booth next, right? There's a conversation that's always happening. So that means that we have much more influence on ourselves than all the people in our lives combined that will talk to us. We talk to ourselves more than everyone in our lives combined. So if that is the case, tuning into if that talk is usually negative or positive is critically important. What you'll find oftentimes is I'm negative with myself. And the nastiness in that is, if I took those negative things that I say to myself about myself and gave a script of negativity that I say to myself to someone else and said, hey, say these things to me, would I remain friends with them? Hell no, I wouldn't. I would be seeking to get away from them. But we do it to ourselves all day, every day. So what we need to do is see our mindset, our, our thinking, um, those conversations that we have with ourselves as an echo chamber. And that echo chamber can be filled with negativity. But what you can do with that echo chamber is begin to put positivity in to push that negativity out of the echo chamber. So if you're aware of yourself talking, most people are not. It's just happening all the time, but you don't tune into it. So first of all, let's become aware. All right, what am I saying to myself? Oh, that's not good. All right, so what do I want to do now that I'm aware? I want to change that little by little. The African proverb, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Hmm. One bite at So you don't try to change it all. I'm not trying to change all my self-talk to positive overnight. But little by little, I'm just going to replace some of that negativity with positivity. And as you go, you'll start to find, man, I'm starting to be more positive with myself. And what we know, the more positive I am with my self-talk, the more positive outcomes I'll have in life. Pretty simple. Doesn't mean it's easy, but relatively simple. Um, so that is the work. Become aware of it. It sounds like that's what you did. And now start to change it little by little. Thank you. So helpful. I mm-hmm. like that. I, I like that adding the little bit of positive because I think that it, we and I know you and I talked about this briefly. It's like it can be so overwhelming 
when so many people are telling you to do so many things and there's so many solutions out there and then you you're paralyzed and you do nothing. So it's yes. like that yes. little bit, those little baby steps, like you said, eating just a little bit of the elephant. It's not <laughs> the whole thing. So thank yeah. you. Right. I love that. Well, Good stuff. Good I stuff. feel like um, I feel like your aha moment hits with the right message and the right time and the right person. So it may not have happened yet and it may have just happened now. I know for me, uh, the meditations I started earlier this year with Dr. Joe Dispenza. Are you familiar with him, Dr. Yeager? No, no. Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, I think you would love him. So when he started making me aware of my thoughts and how much weight our thoughts carry and how we're the creators of our lives and our thoughts have such a huge impact, I would in the morning in the shower every day be conscious of what was coming in and I would catch it with a mitt like a baseball mm -hmm. player. I would literally catch mm -hmm. the thought and I would say, you know, does it serve me? And I'm like, nope. And I would release it. And then I would say, what, yeah. what do I want to think? And how do I want to feel? And I would do what you're saying, basically. I would replace it with, where do I want to yes. go? So I would take the negative thoughts or the negative talk, catch them, throw them out, and redirect to where I wanted yes. to go. And that became yeah. a habit eventually to a point where I was like, oh, I've really shifted what comes inside here. And that really is making me so much happier. Yes. And it makes a yep. lightness and a float kind of vibe for yourself that you start yeah. to have. And then everything is possible. And then everything starts clicking and everything yep. starts right. happening. But it really starts with your self-talk and your thoughts. 100%. And you did it little by little. Catching it is about that awareness. I have to I have to be aware. So I can't catch it if I don't know what's happening. So if I'm aware, all of a sudden I start to catch it. And not only do you catch it, but you said, okay, let me look at that. Does that serve me? Is that good for me? No, it's not. All right, I'm tossing that. And when I toss it, what do I replace that with? Mm -hmm. Some level, some version of positivity that will serve me. So we should be in the, in the, in the business of serving ourselves. Um, there's a song by Tony Jones. And the name of the song is Energy Budget. Ooh. It's an absolutely beautiful concept that I have to budget my energy. Budgeting my energy. Where will I give my energy? Where do I choose to give it? And part of that is catching those negative thoughts and turning them into positive and figuring out, all right, so Kevin, I can give you this much energy because I have the energy to give. I think one of the struggles that we have in life is that we seek to pour everyone's glass full but if I look at my glass, it's only a quarter filled. It's only partially filled. That's a mistake. I need mine filled all the way to the top. And once it's full, anything left, you got. You can have it. Everyone else can have it. But my, I have to fill mine first. How silly is it that I'm pouring your glass full and I have a fourth of a glass? Yeah. It doesn't even make sense if we think about it. And so yet I'm that's what everybody mine. does. That's what we all do. Yes. I'm not doing that. I'm not in that business any longer. That's just an old business and other people can be in that business. That's cool. I'm not going to be in that business. I, love I that. want my glass filled and anything left, I'll give it to you readily and gladly. That's so cool. I, I've come up with a new one recently where it's like, is this loving for me? You know, is mm. this something that's loving for me? If it isn't loving for me, then I'm not going to do it. And I asked myself at the end of the night, what did I do that was loving towards myself today? And what did I do that was maybe not so loving towards myself so I can take stock 
of where yep. I need to make adjustments. And so yes. it's, it's a similar Love thing that. with the, the glass. Um, mm -hmm. I can't wait for my husband to hear this interview because his glass is always empty and I don't know where he finds the reserves to pour. He's like probably, mm. was it Robin Hood that stole from the rich and t gave to the poor? He gave to the poor, yeah. yeah. I think that's yeah. what he is. He's like an energy Robin yeah. Hood. <laughs> <laughs> you should listen to that song, Energy Budget. You'll love it. I will. You'll absolutely love it. Yes. Um, I want to ask you about, um, you talk about the difference between treatment and healing. And mm -hmm. um, I really want you to mm -hmm. share that with everybody before we wrap out. Yeah. So treatment, I know we don't have a lot of time, so I'll be brief. And I could not, I could expand on this for a while, but treatment and healing is something that I think we should do a better job of differentiating between. So for instance, metaphorically, if you cut your arm wide open, um, what you'll do is go to the doctor and they will look at it and say, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna clean it out. Then we're gonna put this ointment in and then we're gonna sew it up. So it's all treatment, very important, critically important. But the body will then go about the job of healing that wound. The body will do it. The, the, so all healing, all healing, must come from within, cannot come from outside. It must come from within the individual, within the community, all healing must come from within. So do we seek treatment? My work is treatment work. The therapist, I'm a, I do treatment, but I get to help facilitate the healing in you. But I realize and recognize that that must come from you, that I can't give you healing. I cannot heal you. I can help facilitate that healing in you. Um, so recognizing that, I think is an important distinction that will help us go seek that treatment if that's what you are in need of, but realize that you have everything within you to heal yourself. So that's that, that, um, that differentiation I think is really important. I love it. Well, we definitely have enough to talk about for like a part two and a part three. So hopefully you'll come back. Mm -hmm. uh, in the sure. meantime, we'll put everything Dr. Corey Yeager in the summary of this episode so you can find the book, How Am I Doing? And anything else that you need to know about Dr. Corey. Thank you so much for, yes. uh, for this today. This is amazing. Yeah, I had a blast. Thank you so much for having me. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. He's amazing. I know. I want him in my daily life. I Can know. he be my next door neighbor? I can go hang out with every um, day. I would like that. I knew <sighs> when I chatted with him, I was like, oh, Maria's going to love him. He's amazing. I just love people with so much knowledge yeah. and so much wisdom, but they keep it simple and it's like 
very relating, relatable and loving. Like I just felt like such a loving energy from him. And no, like no BS, no fluff. Like it's just like you said, it's like relatable, simple, like his grandma was telling him, mm. put it where the goats can get it. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah. So he's cool. really amazing. Well, friends, I think if you um, really want to get to know yourself and, you know, a lot of it is hard. Like people are like, you know, be, be alone and figure yourself out and get to know you. And I don't know me. I don't think I know myself. Whatever those questions are or feelings are, this book will really help you because he does lay it out really simply. And uh, and I'm excited to keep applying things that, I, um, that I'm asking myself through this book. So we'll put the link to it in the summary. If you haven't checked out mariamenunos.com, we have the Life Hacks blogs, which are the abbreviated aha moments of every episode that you can get there along with the shop page with all my favorites of everything. Um, only my favorites are there, nothing else. And, um, that's it. If you, did you have something? Yes. I was going to say, and for you, Amazon lovers and shoppers, we are creating an Amazon storefront for Maria, which I'm very excited about because Elaine and I have been discussing. We're like, where, where do we shop? Amazon. So we're going to add that link. We'll all add it in this description oh, cool. of the episode. And then it's also going to be on the Better Together Instagram. We have that link in our bio that goes to everything. It's going to be on there. So if you're an Amazon, you just like to clickety click, click, go to Amazon. A lot of Maria's favorites are on there and we're going to keep adding. So love it. Thanks, boom. Queen. In you're the meantime, welcome. be nice people, make good choices and be present. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or mariamenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Hey, Heal Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much and we love doing this thing called life with you.